Come on in. Um, there are some people standing. Uh, we do have a few seats uh, here in the front. There's about three or four seats. So if anybody's standing, come, come, come. Uh, no one's looking at you. Don't worry. Actually, everybody's looking at you. It's okay. Just come. Uh, come, 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 come. I need about four people. Three people, four people. Uh, come grab a seat, please. My man, God is dope. So, here, come with me. Come here, come here, come here. <laughs> What's up, man? God is dope, baby. God is dope. There we go. All right, all right, cool. Uh, my seat is also available. Anybody else need a seat? Lovely lady here. Hi, how are you? Come on in. This is the anointed seat. It's because you're next to Jess. There you go. Have a seat. All right. Uh, welcome to the Vine. My name's Andrew. If you're new here, we're so glad you're here. Um, I, I want to address the, uh, the elephant on my face, uh, which is the massive lip that I currently have and the big blister on my lip. Um, I thought if I don't address this at the start, you'll all wonder what happened to me. Uh, so let me tell you the story. I, I've just come back from New Zealand. I just had a short holiday uh, in New Zealand. And whilst I was in New Zealand, I went swimming with dolphins. And uh, swimming with dolphins, amazing. And I'm out there in the ocean. I'm swimming with these incredible dolphins. There are baby dolphins uh, with us. And uh, the baby dolphins are super cute. Uh, And then a stingray uh, comes out of nowhere and starts to attack the baby dolphins. And I was the nearest. And I thought, I'm going to put myself between the baby dolphins and the stingray. So I swam and put myself between the baby dolphins and the stingray. The stingray didn't like that. It stung me in the lip. And if that story was true, that'd be really cool. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's not what happened. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I actually just got sunburned, <laughs> and I got so badly sunburned on my lip uh, that it, it swelled up, uh, and uh, the way it looks right now actually is kind of a lot better. Uh, it really swelled up, and I got this blister, and it got infected, and uh, I had to go to the hospital last night. As I, I landed l- last night, went straight to the hospital. Anyway, all that to say, um, here at the Vine, we say, come as you are. <laughs> and so I did think about putting on a mask today, but I'm coming as I am. All the good, bad, and ugly of me in this moment. Uh, don't worry, if you're in the front row, it's not contagious, okay? You guys, you guys are, are all good. Um, what, one thing uh, that is, uh, I would appreciate prayer, is actually very painful, uh, as, as you can probably imagine, and so uh, it actually hurts to talk. Uh, and I was praying yesterday, and I was like, God, I'm, I'm sharing a word for the church at the start of the year, uh, and uh, it's actually painful to talk. Um, but, uh, but I want to do this because... Um, uh, what we, what we want to share today with you guys is something that our eldership, our pastoral team, our staff uh, have discerned, we've prayed into, um, and I want to I share something uh, that is a, a correction uh, to us as a church, uh, as well as an invitation to us. And you know, you know when, when God speaks uh, you know, and he brings a correcting word, um, it's important that a, ch- a church community like ours, or like any church community, uh, listens to what God says. But it's also important that we don't just hear it privately as a leadership. We want to make sure that that's publicly aware and publicly uh, understood. Um, but I also want to share it for this reason, that I, I believe what we're sh- talking about today is actually fundamentally uh, 
what God wants to do and shape in your life in the year ahead. You might have come into the vine today, uh, first Sunday of 2024, uh, praying, wondering uh, what is it uh, that God wants to do in your life? How is it that God wants to speak to you uh, today? And if the vine is your community of faith, if this is where you regularly worship, uh, then I want to put it to you that what we're going to talk about today and over the next five weeks, and actually what we're going to talk about today, we're going to be talking about the whole year, all of 2024, is actually not just a word for us as a corporate church, it's also a word for you personally, individually. Um, and I feel like God's got a few things he wants to say. So I wonder whether we could pray uh, as we come into this time together. Father, what a joy it is uh, to gather on a day like today and to be a community together and to come under the ministry of your word, not my words, uh, not any uh, pastor or leader's words, but under your word. Lord, and I want to pray that your word would speak today. Uh, Father, I thank you that every single person in this room you love, uh, you find is the joy of your heart. And Lord, you have something you want to say. And Lord, I pray that uh, whatever words that I'm going to say and not of you would fall away from their ears, your words would stick and remain true. And Lord, we open our hearts to your voice. And I, I just want to pray, uh, maybe you could just take a moment just five seconds to pray in your own heart. Lord, I'm open to what you want to say to me this year. Maybe just make that a prayer right now, just in the quietness of your heart. Lord, I'm open to what it is that you want to say to me this year. And Father, we are excited by that. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone says. Uh, back in September, uh, end of September, I uh, received a dream from God. Uh, and it was whilst I was on holiday in Koh Samui in Thailand uh, and if you've been at the Vine for any period of time, you'll probably know that often God speaks to me in dreams. That's often how uh, I hear from the Lord. Uh, weirdly, though, uh, I often receive these dreams when I'm actually on holiday. Uh, I think this is kind of bizarre because uh, as a pastor, as a full-time pastor, I carve time out regularly during my work schedule to hear and discern and to get dreams and vision from God. Uh, but the time that he often chooses to download stuff to me uh, is whilst I'm on holiday. Um, so uh, I actually have said to my elders, you should just keep me on holiday uh, the whole time for the benefit of the church. Um, but they didn't buy that. But anyway, oftentimes God speaks to me when I'm on holiday. And here it was, the same thing. Last, actually the last night of this holiday that Chris and I were having for our 25th anniversary. Uh, and God gave me a dream. And I know uh, when the dreams are from God, they're incredibly vivid. Uh, they're incredibly detailed. Uh, and usually they have something to say to us as a church community. Um, and so let me tell you about this dream. In the dream, uh, I was in a massive, large room, uh, a room not too dissimilar to this one. Uh, actually, it was probably a bit bigger than this one, but it was a big, large room, and the room was completely empty. There was nothing in this room except for two armchairs in the middle of the room. And in the dream, I found myself sitting in one of the armchairs, and opposite me was another armchair. And that armchair was, uh, nobody was there. It was empty. And as I'm sitting there staring at this empty armchair in this massive empty room, God's presence fell in the room. And it was the most incredible thing. The glory of the God was, the glory of God was all around the room. His presence was in the atmosphere. 
And actually, it reminded me straight away of those times when we gathered to worship here at the Vine. And uh, we've just experienced an incredible time of worship here together this morning. Um, And it's those moments that my mind went to as I'm sitting in this chair and I'm experiencing this incredible sense of God being in the atmosphere, being in the room. You know what it's like when you, when you come to worship here and it feels like there's this kind of tangible reality of God in the air, if you will. And that's what it felt like. But as I was sitting there in this dream, a, a thought went straight through my mind. And the thought was this, I'm not satisfied with God just being in the atmosphere around me in the room I want God to come and sit down opposite me. My heart was, as much as I was enjoying the reality of his presence around us, I wanted Jesus to come and sit with me and be tangibly present with me so that we could be face to face together, so that we could commune in a way that is far deeper and far more intimate than just the reality of his presence in the room. You you, you following this? And so as I thought this, as I was like, God, I don't want you just around me. I want you with me. I want you here. I want you physically here. I I, I saw all these like shards of of light and all this kind of light that sort of flashed uh, around the chair itself. And then I saw the, the cushion of the chair depress as if somebody with some weight had just sat down, although I didn't see anybody, but I knew that Jesus had just sat down in front of me. And this this dream was incredibly real. And I knew that Jesus had sat down in front of me, but I, I couldn't see him. I didn't see his face or anything, but I knew he was there, not just in the room, but now fully present with me. And, and I have to tell you, it, it, was, it was the most at peace in this dream. Uh, by the way, when I dream and God speaks to me in dreams, I can, ta- I can kind of like... I can kind of think about it in the moment that it's happening, and I kind of reflect as it's going. And it was like, this is the most tangible uh, sense of the presence and the power and the peace and the shalom of God that I've ever felt. And, and it almost was like, in Jesus sitting right opposite me, even in my sin in my brokenness, in the stuff that's ugly about me, the things that I don't talk about, all the stuff that I try to avoid, all of that was present to him and none of it mattered at all. I had complete wholeness in him. It's, it's basically what the Bible speaks about as shalom, completeness. I was, put it this way, I was completely how I was designed to be as I was sitting opposite Jesus. It was the most beautiful kind of experience that I've ever had. Now, right as I had kind of got my head around the reality of this beautiful experience, suddenly it, it changed. And rather than Jesus being sat next to me or opposite me, suddenly a, a young adult from here at the Vine um, that I know, she was sitting suddenly opposite me, which was a bit of a jarring experience because it was Jesus and then it became this young lady. Uh, and, and this young lady I know here at the Vine and she's single And as she's sitting there, and before I can communicate with her or anything, she stands up and she turns sideways and she's pregnant. And I thought, this is bizarre. (laughs) Because 
She's single. I know her. She's single. And she stands up and she turns to the side to show me that she's pregnant. Now, in all of this, I know that God's speaking to me about worship and our community as a church. I know that all of this dream, because of the way it started and the presence of God in the room and it reminded me of the vine, I know that all of this is speaking about our worship. So this, this lady was representing, in a way, worship at the church and, and she's pregnant. And I, I think immediately this is good news. What God's saying is, in 2024, we should be pregnant with expectation in our worship at the vine. (laughs) That God is going to birth some incredible things in our church this year. But immediately, God was like, "Uh -uh -uh." (laughs) because I knew she was single, but she was pregnant. And something didn't feel right. The picture of it, the, the reality of it, I wasn't expecting it. It didn't feel right. It wasn't quite the way things should be. And I felt immediately that God was saying, Andrew, in the worship at the vine. Now, when I talk about worship at the vine, I'm not talking about band or songs or music or that. I'm talking about your adoration, our adoration of Jesus. That's worship. Our thanksgiving and adoration and praise, our lifestyle, the way we are, okay? Our worship at the vine, God was saying, Andrew, it's not quite right. There's something wrong. Sometimes it looks right. Sometimes it doesn't look right. There's some problem with the worship. And as I was sitting in the reality of this lady who was pregnant, it didn't feel right, I knew that there was something wrong here, I felt like God said this. Here's the sense, Andrew. The, The church has settled for the general atmosphere of God, and they are not pushing beyond that to the actual person of God. And I want, I want to say this as strongly to us as I can. That I think one of the corrections God is bringing to us at the vine is that at times here at the vine, we have settled simply for the general atmosphere of God. Oh, we come in on a Sunday and we sing our songs and we enjoy a nice feeling together. And we think that that's enough. And we've settled for the general atmosphere of God and we haven't pushed beyond that to meet with the actual person of God. As I was sitting in that reality, suddenly my dream changed and gone were the two chairs. And here's what happened next. There was a great big bed. There was a massive bed, a bed as big as you could ever imagine in this room, filled with this whole room. It was one big bed, one massive mattress. And on this bed, I could see all these people sitting. There were some people sitting on their own. There were some people sitting as couples. There were some people sitting in groups, like as friends in groups. And all of them were, were covered in bed sheets on this massive bed. Now, it's important that you understand there wasn't anything overtly sexual in this, but I knew that God was speaking to me about intimacy. And he was saying, here's the reality. I have created people to be intimate with me, But at the vine, you have replaced your desire to be intimate with me with only a desire to be intimate with one another. Come on, church. I mean, I know this is strong, but I'm putting it out there. That we have replaced our our rightful desire to be intimate with God, and we are only interested in being intimate with one another. Whether that's groups of friends in the intimacy of friendship, whether that was couples in the intimacy of sexual intimacy, 
Uh, whether it was people who were on their own trying to find intimacy in various other ways. I think the bed represented a lot of different things, but it was the reality that there are alternative forms of intimacy that you can experience. As soon as I saw that, the bed disappeared again, and whoom, I was straight back to the two chairs. And once again, I was sitting in the armchair. And right opposite me, the armchair decompressed once again as the presence of Jesus sat down. And as soon as the presence of Jesus sat down in front of me again, I felt this incredible, powerful sense of peace and calm. Immediately, I knew that every longing I had in my heart, everything that I desired, all the intimacy that I could ever want for was satisfied in the reality of the presence of God, not the atmosphere of God, but the person of God who was right here with me. And this time, I jumped up in my dream. And I jumped up and I'm like, Jesus, please stay there. Don't go anywhere. But I was like, I want others to experience this, right? Like, I, I don't want to be selfish here. I don't want to be the only one who ever gets to feel complete and whole. And so in the dream, I started to look around the room and I, I tried to find some other people. Remember, it was a big empty room, but I wanted to try and find some other people to come and sit down with me and, and experience the intimacy that I was experiencing with Jesus. And that was my longed for and my wish for. And that was basically everything that I could feel in every ounce of me was, where are the people who will come and experience who will be willing to sit for a moment and experience this intimacy with Jesus. And on that thought, unfortunately, I woke up. And there I was in my bed in Koh Samui, Thailand on holiday. And I felt like I was in the worst place in the world because I had just experienced the best place in the world. That there is nothing that can ever replace the intimacy of Jesus Christ. And when you've experienced it like that, everything else is sort of this other kind of experience. And although I was in paradise and in this beautiful place, I longed to get back to that. I grabbed my phone from the side of my bed and I started to make all these notes about the dream so that I could tell you on the 7th of January. <laughs> but I wrote like, all the details about the dream down as much as I could and I started to reflect a little bit about intimacy because I realized that what God's really speaking to us about is intimacy in this year. In fact, everything we're going to talk about here at The Vine is going to be that one thing. We're going to talk a lot about intimacy. Here's the first thing you need to know about intimacy. Every human being has been created with a desire, a longing for intimacy. I believe that this is a God-created desire in all of us. God has created every human being with a desire to find intimacy, and that intimacy is both with him and also with one another that it is a good and a holy thing to want to be intimate, that, that we long and desire for an intimacy. And that, that desire that we have is so deep in us, so visceral in us, that it only ever fulfills its fullness in our relationship with God. I realized as I was literally sitting there writing all this down on my phone at like three in the morning or whatever it was, I remember this is the reason why God created in the first place. I mean, think about it for a moment. Think about it theologically. We're going to get theological. We've gone from dreams to theology. Okay, with me. Think about it theologically. Because in the Godhead at the beginning of all things, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is an eternal intimacy that they have that is the fullness and the completeness of shalom. God did not need anything other than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together. In other words, creation is not to satisfy something that God lacks. Are you with me? 
God has the fullness of intimacy. If you want to know and understand what intimacy is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the fullness together is the picture of intimacy. The reason why God creates is invitation. He creates because he wants to invite others into that intimacy. In the same way that I jumped out of my chair and I was like, Jesus, stay there. But who else can experience this with me? I can almost imagine the Trinity getting together. Hey, guys, this is amazing, but let's, let's create so that others can come and be a part of this and they can experience this and they can know what the fullness is of this incredible intimacy. And that intimacy will, will create the fullness in them and it will be like this incredible thing. The first thing you need to know about intimacy is that it's founded on three things, creation, love, and invitation. Every form of intimacy makes space for others. Intimacy creates a place for others to come. Intimacy invites and loves and creates. And here is the really scary thing. Every human being has this innate desire for that kind of intimacy, but in our fallen nature, in our brokenness, and in the struggles that we all hold in us, we more often than not seek the satisfaction of that desire for intimacy in things that can never satisfy it. One of the great stories of Scripture is human beings trying to find intimacy in other things other than in God because they have this desire in them and that desire drives them to try to satisfy it. But in order to try to satisfy that desire, they begin to look to one another for satisfaction that only God can bring. Not that again, connecting with one another and being intimate with one another is a bad thing. It's not, it's a good and holy thing, but we have to get the order right. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Know what it is to be intimately connected with God so that out of the overflow of the intimacy, the fulfillment, the connection, we can jump up and invite others to it. Our intimacy with one another is a response to the intimacy with God. But so often in our brokenness, we make our intimacy with one another the true intimacy. We think that's where we will get connected when that so often just leads to further brokenness. Let me put it in terms of the dream for you. There is an invitation to a deep and personal armchair experience with God. But so often we choose the more shallow, the more immediate bed experience in intimacy with one another. That's just the reality of us as human beings. And it's also, I think, the reality for us here at the vine. And as God began to unpack some of this to us, I began to see and sense his correction. I came back from the holiday to uh, the staff here, and I began to talk to our staff and our elders and our pastors about this idea of intimacy. And as God so often does, God doesn't ever just speak to one person, okay? He never just speaks to the senior pastor. He had been speaking to many people on our staff, many people in our intercession team for over a year about the same sort of ideas, the same threads, that there's something not quite right in our worship. There's something not quite right within our community that we're not engaging in intimacy with God in the way that he designed it for me. And, and as we began to talk about it, and as we began to pray about it, as we began to discern what it is that God is saying, I think ultimately what he's saying is this. 
That so often we show up on a Sunday and we experience this incredible sense of worship like we had this morning and we stop there. We think that is enough. Or we think that that's what it's all about. That's not what it's about. Intimacy with God is not fully about coming to church on a Sunday. And if we ever make the reality of our intimacy with God based on the atmosphere we feel at the vine on a Sunday, oh, we are so missing out on the completeness of who we've been designed to be. You have not been designed for the atmosphere of God. You've been designed for the person of God. Come on, church. Anyone here? Yeah? There's a passage in Scripture that I love. It's found in Psalm 100, verse 4, and it says this, we enter his gates with thanksgiving in his hearts. We, we go into the courts with praise. The psalmist is being beautiful here because the psalmist is creating an imagery of the temple. He's talking literally about the temple. And if you know anything about the temple, it was designed with the Holy of Holies right in the center of the temple where the fullness of God's presence was. And in the Holy of Holies, only one priest could go in once a year and only after a purification rite of a a number of days. And it was always a, a, a thing. But outside of the Holy of Holies was where the sacrifices were made. And that was where the priest stood for the atonement of sin. It was one of the most intimate expressions and connections that humanity could ever have with God. And outside of the inner courts were the outer courts. And on the outer courts is where they paid for the animals to be sacrificed, where they did business, where they connected communally. And then outside of that were gates that led people into all of that. The idea in the temple was that you went through the gates into a deeper place of intimacy. And the psalmist says, do you want to know what it is that brings you as a human being into a deeper place of intimacy? It's worship. It's worship. It's, it's adoration. It's thanksgiving. It's praise. You enter the gates with thanksgiving on your heart. You, you go into the courts with praise and, and, and your worship. Your worship is the vehicle that moves you from outside of God's presence into the heart of his presence. The problem is he did not write, you camp at the gates with thanksgiving in your heart. He did not say, you stand on the outside of the courts and you just stay there with praise. He says there's movement. You're going from the outside into the inner place. The problem I think we have at the vine sometimes is that we're camping at the gates with our worship. And every time we think that when we gather on a Sunday and we experience this incredible sense of God's presence, as important and as good as that is, but when we think that that's enough or when we think that that's all there is, oh, we are so missing out. We're camping at the gates. I want you to have a mind shift. I want you to think every Sunday when you come in and we experience the power of God together, which is a beautiful, precious thing, you should be thinking, that's a gate. This is a gate right now. I'm entering through this into something else. And that something else is a deeper, more intimate, more personal relationship with God, where God will tell me things that will shape and change me. Not always things that I can handle. Not always things that that I like. But God, I want that deep in relationship. I don't want you in the atmosphere. I want you right here. We enter his gates with thanksgiving on our hearts. And God is saying that, that this is a correction, but it's also an invitation It's an invitation for us as a church to go, this is what I want to make 2024 about. I mean, if there's anything I could start the new year with, surely it's this. 
that actually I get the great joy of being a human being that experiences incredible intimacy with others, but that intimacy comes first and foremost through my intimacy with God. See, here's the thing you need to realize. Our vision here at the Vine is growing big people. It's all about your maturity in Jesus. We do everything at the Vine to help you to grow in your maturity with Jesus. Hear this, you will always remain spiritually mature Uh, spiritually immature, if all you ever do is connect with the atmosphere of God. I'm going to say that again. You will always stay spiritually immature if all you ever do is connect with just the atmosphere of God, rather than pressing through that to the actual true and living person of Jesus. And as wonderful as his atmosphere is, as wonderful as that presence is on a Sunday, it's an invitation to you to intimacy. Are you with me? It's not an invitation for you to feel good on a Sunday. It's an invitation to a life that is changed by the intimacy of your relationship with Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do over this series here at the start of the year, over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack this idea of how we can enter through the gates. Over the next two weeks, I'm going to talk to you about some of the ways that we struggle in our intimacy with God. I'm actually going to talk to you about two of the very key ways that we actually stop ourselves from being intimate with Jesus. And then uh, we're going to have two weeks where we're going to look at alternative forms of intimacy, the things that we turn to other than in our direct intimacy with God. And I believe through that, we'll be able to paint a picture for you of what it is that we sense God is both correcting us in, uh, but also inviting us lovingly to in the year ahead. Is this helping anyone so far? Are you excited for your year? Yeah, okay. Now, what I want to do as I bring things to a bit of a close, I want to tell you a little bit about what this vision for intimacy is like. I want to give you a taste of what this intimacy can, can feel like, can be like. The Bible is filled with stories about this intimacy with God, this closeness with him. And, and, and rather than sort of say, okay, here are the five steps that you can do in your life to be intimate with God. The reality is intimacy is a very personal thing. I mean, if you talk about me and my wife, Chris, our intimacy together, we don't share in intimacy with anyone else. It's a personal thing. It's a unique thing. And of course, I'm not just talking about sexual intimacy, I'm talking about communication and what we do as friends and uh, how we enjoy life, the shows that we like or whatever it is, right? There's a uniqueness to our intimacy. There's going to be a uniqueness to your intimacy with God. So we're not going to say, this is exactly what you have to do in order to be intimate because that's for you to discover. What we will do, though, is paint for you a broad and beautiful picture of what intimacy with Jesus looks like. And our prayer is, as you see that intimacy, you're going to go, what can I do in my life to get like that? Are you with me? All right, so let me paint for you this intimacy. Now, before I read this, by the way, I'm about to read you a a, a psalm of David. You need to understand, David was not a perfect person. David had many struggles. David was broken And David had brokenness in intimacy. He had brokenness of sexual intimacy. He had brokenness with his friends. David is a complicated person. And yet even in the complications of his brokenness, he can express this desire and this need to be deeply intimate with God. And I I think that's an encouragement for some of you here. Because you might be hearing this and you might be going, well, I'm not that kind of Christian. I'm not even sure if I am a Christian. I'm not even sure if God can accept me intimately. I don't even know if he wants me to be with him. 
And you might be thinking that your sin or your brokenness or your background disqualifies you from intimacy with Jesus. If David is qualified, you are qualified. Are you with me? Now listen to this. Psalm 63 says this. Listen to how David expresses his intimacy with God. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. My singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the uh, the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Can you, can you hear David's passion? He's like, let me tell you about what this intimate relationship that I have with God is like. I mean, it, it's, it's my everything. Everything in me longs and yearns to be connected to him. Notice just some of the things that he says. He actually paints for us a beautiful picture of biblical intimacy. He says, first of all, you are my God. I love this. You are my God, he says. In other words, there's no other God. There's no other thing that I can be intimate with that could ever satisfy me. You are the only thing that can satisfy. And notice, he says, you are my God. He doesn't say you are Israel's God. He doesn't say you're a God of some nation. He didn't say you're the God of of the vine at 11 a.m. on a Sunday. He says, you're my God. This is personal. I know you. I want you. We're together. We're connected and committed. You are my God. Some of you, the best prayer you can do in 2024, right at the start, is simply to say that prayer after the service. God, you are my God. Because some of you, maybe that will be a struggle, but for some of you, that's your soul cry. That's your first response to recognize that maybe you haven't been able to say that, but that's the desire of your heart. You are my God. Notice the passion he brings. Notice things like, my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you because your love is better than life. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. My soul clings to you. He, he, he talks about this idea of his soul, the innermost part of who he is, not just his, not just his being or his thinking, but Everything about him longs for this intimacy with God and he's crying out for that intimacy. That's like me sitting there and going, I'm not satisfied anymore with you in the atmosphere. I I, I want you right here. My soul clings to you, says David. Now notice, he talks about two very important things. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. There it is. I have seen you at 11 o'clock at the vine in one giant. And I beheld your power and your glory. Amen? I want you to hear this. Everything I've been saying today. We're not changing anything in terms of what we do here on a Sunday. We love the reality of God's presence with us. We'll continue to worship and praise Him and do all the things that we do. What we're calling for is a bit of a mindset change. Because what we do on a Sunday is not necessarily wrong, but how we're reacting to it is what I think God is trying to create. Because David says, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I beheld your power in that place. It's an amazing thing, he's saying. I love the sanctuary. I love the power that I feel and experience there. But notice what he also says. He also says, on my bed I remember you. 
Through the watches of the night, you are with me. In other words, I, I have felt your glory in church, but guess what? Your glory is not just in the church. I, I've been intimate with you on a Sunday at 11 o'clock, but guess what, God? You're also intimate with me at work on a Monday morning at 9. Guess what? You're there with me all the time. Because my intimacy with you is not defined by a location, it's defined by a relationship. My intimacy with you is not defined by some band who plays well. My intimacy with you is defined by the Word of God, my relationship with you, my prayer life, how I open Scripture. It's defined by so many other things. I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I beheld your power, but I have not made that my all and all. I've also found you on my bed late at night when I'm anxious and overwhelmed. I've found you in the darkest watches of night. I have experienced your intimacy in all of my life. That's what it means to commune with God. And then he says all these things. Now, I'm not going to call these benefits. I'm not going to call these benefits of intimacy because if I call them that, some of you in this room will want to seek him for his intimacy for the benefits. And as soon as we seek God intimately for what God can do for us, we've missed the whole point. And I'm going to talk about that in a couple of weeks' time. These are not benefits. Let me talk about these as fruits of intimacy. These are things that are born in our lives as we find ourselves intimate with God. Very quickly, here they are. Things like, because you are my help. God helps us. God, God comes and bees with us. He says, I've hid in the shadow of your wings. There's protection. That's one of the fruits of intimacy, the protection of God. Your right hand upholds me. Feeling God is with us in the darkest moments when, when life is overwhelmed is a fruit of that intimate relationship with him. Uh, those who seek my life will be destroyed. Knowing that God fights battles for you that you cannot fight, that you'd be overwhelmed with. Those are the, the fruits. It's like confidence. It's like assurance. It's like knowing God is with you. Let me, let me pull this together with a quick definition of biblical intimacy. I would say it's this, an orientation of all of life that pushes beyond just the feeling of God to an actual, real, and deep relationship with him that produces in us the fruit of assurance, confidence, and joy. That's Psalm 63. That's, I think, how so much of Scripture speaks about the intimacy of God. That's worth taking a photo of if you have a mobile phone. Because we're going to be digging into that a lot over not just these weeks, but this year. And as you're taking a photo of that, um, I wonder if the PowerPoint team, if you could jump back to that section earlier with the three questions. This is also something I want you to take a photo of. And I'm going to finish with this. Will we continue to simply enjoy the atmosphere of God? Or will we desire to move beyond this to deepen our relationship with the person of God? Will we continue to settle for lesser forms of intimacy to satisfy a longing that can only be fully satisfied by God? And once we have found true intimacy with God, will we only long for ourselves to experience it? Or will we... Is there another slide? It's okay if there's not. Or will we <laughs> invite others to experience it? Here's how I'll close and we're going to pray. I've gone a bit long. Is that okay? Everybody all right? Here's how we're going to close. This is why we're doing it in 2024, why God's calling us to intimacy. 2023 was about the Exodus. We spent a whole year pretty much on the Exodus. And the Exodus is all about that idea of God calling us out of slavery into freedom. Why? We said it almost every week. Why does God do the Exodus with Israel? So he can draw them together in intimacy. 
so that he can be their God and they can be his people, that they can become a worshiping community. That's what he said to Pharaoh, release my people, let them go so they can worship me. 2023 was our exodus. It makes sense, therefore, that 2024, God is calling you to intimacy. You've gone through exodus. Now is the time to draw near to God. My prayer for you is that you will find your satisfaction fully in him. My prayer for you is that he will challenge you to let go of some false versions of intimacy that you're holding on to. My prayer for you is that you will want to push beyond the great experience of Sunday morning here at the Vine and actually find a deeper relationship with him in your everyday life. And through all of that, he will be glorified. Amen? Could you stand with me? I would love...